Hello, and welcome to Time Between Times Storytelling, with me, Owen Staten. Happy Halloween, one and all. We are now here, at the Time Between Times. The time when the veil between our world and the fairy world is at its thinnest. This is where the time between times is at its zenith. This is the time when the veil between our world and the fairy world is so thin that we can actually step into their realm for a few moments and they can step into ours. Welcome to this special Halloween edition of Time Between Times Storytelling. Thank you ever so much for the support over the last few months. It has been truly humbling to see how many of you are downloading this podcast to listen to stories being told in a traditional way. Thank you for the support. Thank you for looking at the YouTube channel. Thank you for the Kofis, Dioch and Vaur, Paub, wherever you are. I am so glad that we have been able to spend time together at this time, this special time. So today, please celebrate Halloween in any way you want to. Please feel safe at this place. So join me this week of all weeks as we take our walk through the forest. As we left our house, the darkness was like a shroud. It is cold, it is chilly. On the breeze we can hear the burning of bonfires far away. We can hear the people and laughter as they wander around the streets dressed in costumes. But where we are going is somewhere personal to us. We take a step into the forest. Suddenly everything goes quiet. We walk down the winding path into the heart of the woods. All animals are silent. But ahead of us on the path, we see others carrying candles and lanterns as they make their way down the track. At last, we reach the fire pit in the clearing at the heart of the forest. There our friends are gathering. There we speak, make greetings, shake hands, hug, enjoy. We swap sweets and hot drinks and we watch as the fire burns with strength and we sit down to listen to a tale traditionally told. There is a cool breeze, but we pull our blankets and warm coats around us. We rub our hands together in front of the fire and know we are safe here. Whatever has been troubling us over the last week, two weeks, months, years, disappears in the fog of tales. And here we sit, and here we enjoy a tale being told. This time we go back to the city of Swansea during the height of the Second World War. The night was cold, the mist was thick, and people were walking around the streets. And there, in a theatre, near the sea, stood the actor Jeremiah Jones. Jeremiah Jones was famous in his old days. He had starred very briefly in some small, silent films, played in plays all over the country, 
and was famous for his Shakespeare recitals. Tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow. He's gone this petty place from time to time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life is but a walking shadow. A poor player who struts and threats his hour upon the stage and is heard from no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. His party piece, he would stand in front of the audience and recite his favourite Shakespearean pieces and sonnets to rapturous applause. But as war came, as people left their houses lesser and lesser, his audience started to dwindle. His partner in his touring production was the soprano Constance Kendall. Lovely voice, dark heart. Her black hair reached down her back. She would always dress in the smartest of clothes and sing songs made famous by Adelina Patti and other great singers of the age. Their show consisted of both of them. Recital followed by song. The theatres grew smaller, the crowds grew less, and on this night, when bombers from across the ocean wreaked havoc on Swansea City, both of them stayed in a small guest house near the Strand, which narrowly avoided the bombs that fell like rain on that night. Their theatre had been next to empty the night before, and as they made their way through the Swansea Blitz, both of them huddled beneath their beds as the city burned. They thought that the time would come to give up on their dreams and move on. In the morning, after checking on Constance, Jeremiah put on his coat and walked through the detritus of the city, down to the beach. The fire brigades were trying to put out the smouldering ruins of what once had been houses. Children ran amongst the debris. Soldiers and people walked up and down the streets in a daze as the war had finally come home for them all. The smell of burning pervaded the air as Jeremiah went down to the beach. He sat on the sand, the city behind him, great Swansea Bay stretched out in front of him, the sun barely making an impression on a smoke-dark sky, and sobbed. Sitting on the sand, he sobbed and sobbed, and then his head rose, for far away along the sand came a beautiful sound that he had never heard before. There on the beach was a young girl with bright red hair. Her clothes were little more than rags, and she wandered the beach picking up shells and placing them in a bucket. Totally unaware of Jeremiah, she seemed oblivious to the carnage that had happened in the city as she wandered from one end of the beach to the other. Jeremiah lay on the sand and listened as she sang an old Welsh hymn 
For a moment, it was as if an angel had come down from the sky to stand in front of him. He waited, he watched, as she sang and sang, never had he heard a voice like this. Where most singers had an upper octave, this one went above that still. It seemed like all of the damage, the destruction that had happened around him vanished into thin air when this voice opened her mouth. Summoning his courage, he stood up and called for her to come over. She introduced herself as Morvith Williams. She was from the Mumbles, from a poor family who had nothing. They would put together sculptures of shells and sell them to passing tourists, which had been thin on the ground in the last couple of years. Jeremiah asked her about her singing. She had never sung for an audience before, but knew that she had a gift of sorts. Over a cup of tea in a local cafe, as people outside rushed with their possessions, he chatted to her about giving her an opportunity to sing in front of an audience. Morvith was more than pleased and agreed to meet him when things had calmed down a week later. There on the seafront, just as Swansea was starting to get itself back together, just as it was starting to rebuild from its darkest days, Morvith and Jeremiah met once more. There was an attraction. Of that he was sure. Although much older than her, he still saw in her eyes what he wanted to be. There was a wonder that she had, and only in her early twenties she spoke with a maturity that he did not possess, even though he was almost twenty years her senior. Again they met in a cafe, but this time, taking the last of his money, Jeremiah took her to a local shop to get kitted out in the finest gown they could afford, and asked her that night to perform at his recital show. A small audience gathered. The theatre was thick with smoke. There Jeremiah got up, started with his tomorrow, tomorrow recital. And then Constance came out from the back and sang her beautiful songs to a smattering of applause. And then came Morvith, who sang an old Welsh hymn bringing tears to everybody in the house. The applause afterwards were rapturous. The next night, she came again, and again the house cheered and resounded and sang as her songs filled the air with wonder. After every show, when the theatre was closing, everyone was leaving. She wondered why one single light was kept on in the theatre. Jeremiah explained that this light, which seemed to fill the dust-filled room with a magical glow, was the ghost light, a light kept on for the ghosts of the theatre, for all of them have such spirits that wander amongst the old edges of the world where the magic of theatre happens. Morvith was intrigued 
and every night, after the show finished, her and Jeremiah would gather under the ghost light, with a glass of wine in their hands. They would raise a toast to tomorrow, and what that day would bring. What the two of them didn't know is what the dark forces were at work. Constance Kendall, yes, Jeremiah's old partner, was a laudanum addict, something she hid well. Every night before she performed, she would sit in the back in the dressing room, take her ill medicine before wandering out to sing. Before she left every night, she would collapse in a stupor and usually sleep alone in a hotel room full of bitterness at the new act that Jeremiah had brought along. She would carry on after night after night, hoping to get the better and hoping to push her voice, but she would crack under pressure and leave with just a smattering of applause. She was saddened and jealous and bitter, and this would bring about a doom sooner than she thought. A few months later, after packed audiences attended the old theatre by the sea, Jeremiah and Morvid gathered under the ghost light and bade themselves good luck for the future once more. The next night, they arrived at the theatre to find a telegram. An unbelievable telegram, brought by the king himself with an invitation for this new sensation, Morvid to sing at a great theatre in London. With the telegram came a great gold necklace, which was placed around her neck. Jeremiah told the audience what had happened, and rapturous applause followed. Constance watched from the wings, with jealousy in her heart. That night, Jeremiah went on to the stage to perform his recital. Morvid was warming up in the wings, taking a glass of wine as she always did. Just before she came there, Constance arrived and filled the glass with laudanum, more than anyone had a right to take. Jeremiah walked onto the stage. The audience applauded. He stood in the middle. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Creep through this time. He carried on with his utmost performing to his best, butchering the words, but still bringing applause. As he was halfway through, as he talked about brief candles about to burn, he heard a smash of a glass in the wings, spun around and looked there. And there, to his horror, saw Morvid on the ground. He rushed off the stage, leaving the audience staring in wonder, and arrived outside. Morvid lay on the ground, her wine glass smashed next to her, dead. Constance was nowhere to be found. On a sixpence at that very time, on that night long ago, Jeremiah Jones fell into despair. His life had changed forever. Morvid was buried with full ceremonies in Swansea. 
Constance went on the run and was not seen again. And Jeremiah Jones lost himself in drink and sorrow. Only a few months later, throwing himself into the sea of Swansea Court. <sighs> a dark tale indeed. But it does not end there. For many years afterwards, the ghost light continues to shine in the theatre over Swansea Bay. And there are times between times when the veil between our world and the fairy world gathers once more. Under that light, a ghostly figure is seen and a ghostly song pervades the theatre, sang in a voice that has fallen from their heavens, the voice of Morvid Williams. Many visitors to the theatre have to speak of a presence in the audience. Many visitors of the theatre speak of a figure standing just out of sight. Many visitors of the theatre have seen the ghost light flicker, only to see Morvid once more, for just a few seconds, standing under the light where she once met with Jeremiah Jones to profess their love. The ghost light still shines in the theatre by the sea, a stone's throw from the museum. But here the relics are not in dusty cases, but wander the stage at night when darkness falls and the veil between our world and the fairy world grows wafer, wafer thin. I have been there many times. I have had a ghostly experience there. But tonight I leave it to you for me to tell you the tale of the ghost light. That is one of my favourite tales, my friends. Tales of spirits gone by, tales of lost love, tales of longing and tragedy, a tale at the time between times that brings a chill to myself as I tell it. I want to thank you all who have sent in questions for me to answer, and I will take my time to do so. One I have had many times is... Have I ever seen a ghost? The answer to that is yes. I have had four ghostly experiences. And I will take an episode to tell you about them soon. Another question I have is, do I believe in ghosts? I have had four ghostly experiences. But do I believe in ghosts? I don't know is the honest answer. I tell ghost stories. I tell tales at the time between times. But do I believe in ghosts? I don't know. Strange answer. What is my favourite tale? My favourite tale of all is The Robbers of Penwilt. It's the first episode on this podcast. If you want to have a listen you'd be more than welcome. There are other 
questions I've received as well. But I'll save those for another time. Because the time between times is short, even on this night. And I would advise you all to make the most of this time. To take a wander where you can and it's safe to do so. To relax in tales. Listen to stories being told. Put down the television remote. Pick up a book or tell a tale. Because when you tell a tale, magic happens. Something happens in the world that changes everything. I hope you've enjoyed the ghost light tonight. I will move on from my ghost stories in the next episode. We will tell some tales of the Tulwith Teg, for that is what you wanted, but also some urban myths are coming up and some historical stories that I am looking forward to telling. Thank you so much for all the support you have given me throughout this podcast. If you want to buy me a coffee, please have a look on ko-fi.com forward slash Owen As the night grows dark and cold, a coffee would be more than welcome. Thank you. Please tell your friends about this podcast. Please subscribe and enjoy the tales being told. And thanks for all the kind words about the mindful listens as well. There are many more of those coming up. But in the meantime, gather at the fireplace wherever you can. Leave your cares and your worries behind. Listen to a tale being told in a traditional way and know that this is a safe place for everybody. Take care of yourselves, everyone. Have a wonderful Halloween. This is the time of the Celtic New Year. So now leave behind the bad times and move on to the good. Make a wish and a pledge to yourself to be kind to yourself and to others. Because when you do, magical things happen. Diolch am fawr am grando. Thank you very, very much for listening to me, Owen Staten. I leave you this Halloween, but we will speak again soon. Diolch am fawr. No star. <laughs>